American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Welcome everyone to the American Toffee Podcast. This is Ryan with James and Alex as always. Here we're about to go over the transfer window. It is over. Okay, it's not all completely over. There's still some that are open, but the primary transfer window the summer is over. Everton, we think, did pretty well. We're going to go through the results. We're going to see how we really did. We're going to look at some of the past episodes we've done, some of the problems with the squad. Have we addressed them? Uh, We're going to take a quick look at the finances as well. And we have some fabulous questions from the folks out there in the Twitter sphere, some of which actually involve the transfer window, so that might be relevant. But anyway, quick rundown. Uh, Most of you know the results already. So we've uh, posted a couple things, a a schematic that kind of highlights what happened. I'm not going to go through all the details, but the major outs, uh, obviously Morgan Schneiderlin went early in the window. Uh, Hornby's out and Dowell, two younger players. Sandra Ramirez is out, did not get a fee, but the salary is gone. Bye. Um, Bye. Um, Gibson out on loan. We know that Adeniran went out as well. Uh, and a couple surprises. Last episode, we talked about Moise Keen being out and uh, Thea Walcott was the one where half of the salary is being paid by Southampton, where he started his career. We'll talk about that. Obviously, we have the folks from last year who uh, we did not retain, but the incomings, we've got our man in Kunku, who has been fantastic. Alan DeCorey, James, and near the end, we have Ben Godfrey from Norwich, who we talked about last episode. Iman Jain, I think I got that right again, uh, last episode. But the one ad we did get uh, that we haven't talked about yet is Robin Olsen, goalkeeper who is with Roma. He played with uh, Cagliari last season, got him all the way up to fourth about midseason before he got a red card in an absolutely absurd incident, by the way. Uh, They kind of took a downhill from there. Uh, He did not come back post-COVID, which is interesting. He's been a starter everywhere. He was a starter with Roma the year before, Copenhagen before that. He went to Roma in a big profile move. He's Sweden's number one. So, gentlemen, to kick it all off, since he's the one ad, we thought it was necessarily necessary to get a keeper, but it seemed like a lot of people were somewhat disappointed. Let's start with Alex. What's your take on a player like Robin Olsen coming in to compete with Jordan Pickford? So I, th- I think, well, I liked the way that you worded the question, right? Because you worded it in a sense that someone coming in to compete Loaded. with Pickford, right? So Loaded like, question. Eh, not, not really, because that's what I was going to say. You just kind of said it for me, right? I think the point is to compete with Jordan Pickford. People might argue with me when I say that we've been missing a really, really good back, a, a really solid backup keeper since Joel Robles left. I think it's going to be nothing but positive. We've talked about Pickford and his blunders and his issues over the last season and a half. Well, a little bit over a season or so. It's no stretch to the imagination that he needs competition. I think that in order for us to continue pushing forward um, through the table, through matches, he needs competition and he needs to do better. And I think this is a nice big warning sign to Jordan Pickford that says, you know, your, your place is not necessarily safe. What about you, James? 
Yeah, I think the intent that we showed with the move is is more important, perhaps, than than the player himself. I think he's a decent player. I, I don't know a lot about him, certainly not as haven't watched him regularly. Being an international number one, obviously, uh, indicates that he's halfway decent and he has played in Syria and played quite well. Frankly, I know that we were were interested, of course, in Paolo Gazaniga from Spurs, as well as uh, Sergio Romero from United, but uh, couldn't get either of those deals over the line. I think uh, probably United were looking at us deer in the headlight situation, seeing their their spot in the table, perhaps going one spot lower if we actually ended up with Romero, because as a third choice keeper, it makes real no real sense for them to, to hold on to a player of probably on significant wages. But uh, all that aside, I think, again, like you said, uh, you've both said the competition aspect is key. And we talked about it previous episodes in the past, how important and, and managers will emphasize it as well, how important that competition in the squad is because it forces everyone to raise their level. And since Jordan Pickford has arrived at Everton, he really hasn't had anyone push him to the extent where he is actually his, his starting spot is under threat. So assuming that Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti have made the judgment call that Olsen is capable of that, it will only be good for the squad overall. And yeah, this, it's go ahead, Ryan. No, no, I, I, you're right. Um, and and he needs that. But I think what's really tricky is why it happened as late as it did. Yeah. So Sh- Shane, you know, one of the guys that you saw us going back made a really, really good point out on Twitter, and I think it's important. I wonder what would have happened. So we talked, and we're going to get to kind of our quick season review. Um, well, we can talk about what we said at goalkeepers. You know, obviously Pickford statistically had a bad year last year. The numbers look very bad. I, I don't know how many egregious errors he made last year, but it didn't seem like he saved a lot of things. We all thought we needed an upgrade in goal early, someone to push him. I was maybe a little surprised that we didn't do it earlier in the window. So you kind of wonder, you know, at the beginning of the window, before any results came out, would man you have sold Romero to us? Because mm. I think Romero is the one guy you look at and you're like, he's he is pretty good. Yeah, um, he's older. He's older. But, you know, you got to wonder because later in the window now when you decide, wow, we really need a keeper. You know, Jordan's looked really shaky. They're thinking, no way. You know, I mean, they haven't had success. They know they're eventually going to need to climb over us if they want to get back into Europe. Tottenham the same way. Like, why the heck would they send him to, you know, I know they want to get stuff off their books, but they still have massive revenues. Do they care that much? I mean, I, I think especially after we beat them first match. So you wonder, I, I don't know, is that a mistake on Marcel Brand's part? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think Robin Olsen's a little better than other people are giving him credit for. People seemed very disappointed by it. Uh, I think he's all right. I mean, people have forgotten. He's pretty much started everywhere he's gone. He did have a good year with uh, Cagliari for sure. And you should look at their numbers too. That defense just was getting shelled with shots. He kept them in a lot of games early. I mean, he had lost like one match. All the way through like the 15th week, man, they were in fourth spot. That's not common ground for them. So he's certainly good enough to pick, you know, push Pickford. And I would almost guarantee you since he, he didn't even go back to Cagliari when when he found out their younger keeper was coming back because he didn't want to split time. He basically said, forget it. His mentality is that he should be starting. So I think it's going to be very interesting. The thing is, if Pickford doesn't respond and just falls apart, then what do we do with him? I mean, I mean, who in their yeah. right mind would take a keeper who's on 100K a week? I mean, there are only so many clubs in the world that can pay that wage anyway. His advantage is that he's English, obviously. He qualifies as homegrown. I mean, can you guys see any of the big clubs in England taking him on? No, I mean, I think right now his his England number one spot's definitely under threat. He's, he's 
being propped up by the fact that he's played well, well with England. But at some point, Gareth Southgate is going to look at the yeah credit to him. But that hasn't translated thus far this season into performances for Everton. And you have to think Gareth Southgate is going to be looking at his other options. And he has a few decent ones. And, you know, Ryan, you talk about Olsen's stats with with uh, Cagliari last season. But he wasn't great for for Roma the year before. I mean, he was okay, but you know, he wasn't. My my point is that you know you look at Jordan Pickford two years ago and he was pretty decent. So if you take you know one one season as a blip on the radar, um, I don't know if that's indicative of like a keeper's overall ability. Could be a flash in the pan. The same way Pickford's form last year could could be a flash in the pan. But the indication so far this year is that it's more of a trend than a, a anomaly. Keeper numbers are hard too. What RuPaul Pogba, one of my favorite guys out there, he's got the panda icon, you know, avatar. He was making the point that, look, based on some of those stats, like the expected goal differential, Allison's an average keeper, which may, maybe he was an average shot stopper last year. But then you look at how many shots he faced, so few. So it's hard. You know what I mean? One or two bad games can really skew the numbers. Um, Olsen's played some really good games for Sweden too. I, I don't think it's that bad a move. Uh, I think it's unrealistic to think those two guys would have come from competitors against us. Yeah. Um, so I think it's all right. You know, all things. I don't blame brands for sitting back a little bit and seeing whether Pickford would respond to a perceived poor season last year. You know what I mean? Can we? Re- I, right. It's a tough call. That's hard, right? I mean, but I will say this. I think the number one status in England has. This is where I think being an American allows us to maybe be a little more objective, to be perfectly honest. We're not clouded by that. I, I know people think that that is an important thing from a marketing standpoint. And, and it's insane for someone to think like an Englishman to say, I mean, we're we're bloody England. I'm quoting Mike Bassett, England manager. We're bloody England, you know, um, and that their number one keeper should be amazing. But they've got a bunch of keepers that are OK, not not one that's really amazing. And at 100K, if he if he lose, I mean. I don't think he's as marketable maybe as other people think, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, what do you think, Alex? I mean, did we wait too long? I mean, did we screw this up? I think I, I can't remember who tweeted it maybe yesterday, day before, but they said it best, right? At the beginning of the window, I don't think goalkeeper was anywhere near our, the top of our priority list. The way it shook out, not ideal. Of course, I would have much preferred Romero than anyone else because that guy yeah. is, is very, very good. Uh, his wife also agreed that he should come, <laughs> by the way. Um, in terms of in terms of Olsen, right? Free Romero! Exactly. I hit the hashtag yesterday. So, I mean, but but in terms of Olsen, right? What I will say is, if I, if I just look at this from a holistic point of view, I look at the squad, I look at the goalkeepers um, we have at our disposal, or had before, I guess, yesterday, and I say, we just got... A very good keeper on loan compared to what we already have. The squad is strengthened. It came late. Maybe not the absolute best option. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't somehow dethrone Pickford. But overall, I'd say it was a good pick. I would, however, gentlemen, like to kind of defunct the fact that a lot of people over Twitter are saying that we should just throw him in for his first match in the Derby (laughs) in a couple weeks. I have a feeling that's probably not going to happen, and it's also probably not the best idea. It'd be interesting. That's for sure. All right, let's move to the one outgoing that we haven't discussed. Again, please go back, check out our previous episode where we talked about some other stuff. We, we'll get to some of that a little bit, too. Theo Walcott gone uh, back to his uh, the place he really came up at Southampton. Alex, let's start with you. Is this a good move? Could we afford to get rid of him? Is this a big deal? It's his last year of his contract. What are your thoughts? It's a good deal, right? So so Southampton paying half of his wages 
we know that Theo was on fat wages. I saw I saw a tweet about how much Theo Walcott has costed us since 2018. Oh, um, yeah. And it's egregious to say the least. So last year on his contract, we got a loan for him. It's a nice loan, right? Like he loves Southampton. That's where he started. Youngest goal scorer, I believe. They're paying half his wages, which is always good. He also had a lot of nice things to say about the club, which doesn't really pertain to the question. But hats off to him because Theo was a real gentleman in, in how he spoke about Everton Football Club and Mr. Ancelotti as he was going. And I hope that it, it goes well for him. What about you, James? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Southampton have a good side. And I, I think he'll contribute to their team. And hopefully they have a decent campaign. I don't have any particular hatred for Southampton. Again, I think it's a good fit, uh, a bit romantic in a sense, going back to where you once started. I know at the, at the top of the window, we had rumors of Fabian Delph returning to Leeds, newly promoted Leeds. That didn't pan out, which I think if you chose one, I would have chosen Walcott. My only concern with that is just the right-hand side being a little bit thin behind Hamas now. Um, but we do have guys that are versatile in attack and ultimately playing on the left or the right doesn't make a whole world of difference. I still think we can employ Alex Iwobi over there if needed. Anthony Gordon can slot in. So not overly concerned, but he was really kind of our only true right-sided player. It sounds like you're lobbying for us to sign Sidibe on a permanent because I heard that he can play on the right-hand side as well. Oh, boy. Absolutely. There it is. But there I would it have, is. I would have preferred to get a fee for Walcott, I will say. In the last year yeah. of his contact, contract, rather, it's not ideal to let, you know, it's good to get his wages off the books or at least half of his wages, but not nearly as good as it would have been to fetch a couple million for him and get the wages off the books. But given what he was on in his age, it was never realistic that anyone was going to offer him the the requisite number that would get him to want to actually leave. Maybe I, I can't help, but maybe this is one that we took action on maybe a little too late. Um, what I mean is I think if we had a conversation with him up front, maybe we did, maybe we did. And I, I don't know this. And we told him at the beginning of summer, like, look, man, you're in your last year. We're, we're not keeping you. What I mean is it was when we did our season review, it was so obvious what a bad possession player he was. You know, he's not a great passer. His ball control is not phenomenal. He works hard. He runs. He uses his pace. He does create some chances on his own. He's a great on a counter team. But God, I would have thought he had enough cachet as a name and, and some production there for someone to pay a couple million for him. And then if he was if he was comfortable signing a deal with them multi-year, obviously, you'd rip up the current contract. I, I got to wonder. I got to wonder if Theo just isn't quite ready to make that decision as to where his next step is. Because the Southampton return sounds lovely. You know, it sounds like, oh, man, he should he should have signed a couple year deal, closed out his career there. I wonder if he just wasn't really ready for that. And we were just kind of doing him right by the club when we said, you know, you're not going to play. I don't think anyone can argue that he wasn't an absolute professional with us. I, I think he really worked hard. He always did. He always has. His attitude's been great. Um, his parting words are not a surprise to me. But anyway, um, so let's talk about some of the guys we could have moved but have not, at least not yet. Uh, there was the offer, supposedly, allegedly an offer uh, from Roma. Uh, there was some interest from Zenit, too, I guess, uh, for Bernard. It was approximately seven million pounds. I have to admit, I, I think if I'm Brands, I probably would have taken it, but uh, maybe not. I mean, he is a good player. I, Let's go to you first, James. What are your thoughts on that? Do we make the right move keeping him? Yeah, personally, I'm in favor of having kept Bernard. Again, talking about players, if you're, if you're going to let Theo go, 
maybe not the most effective working off the right, but a player that can still play on the wing. And quite honestly, I think his his performances, albeit against lower league competition in the cup, may have solidified his his place in Carlo's squad because he really did light it up. And there's a lot to be said. It's Fleetwood Town. It's Salford City. But he's an impactful player, and I think he plays a, a important role for us potentially coming off the bench late in games as an option. He's really tricky. He's agile. He can unlock defenses. And with the, again, with the versatile and more skilled players around him, I think that really raises the ceiling for the the quality we can see from Bernard this season. I think that's fair. Although I do disagree overall. I say I disagree overall. First thing that comes to mind is, is wages, right? We got him as a free agent. He's on six figures a week. Um, I look at his output and I, I, that to me just says we shouldn't like he shouldn't be on six figures a week at Everton um, in current climate, financial fair play issues in quotes, maybe not issues yet. Right. But the other thing is, too, I kind of wonder on that amount of wage on those amount of wages as a squad player, where does he really fit in? We've talked about his role and Alex's Awobi's Alex Awobi's role in the team and and how we're setting up with Carlo this season. And in the Premier League specifically, we've seen Carlo opt for an Alex Awobi appearance on the left-hand side twice now, as opposed to Bernard, where, as we know, the left-hand side is where Bernard was played mostly during Marcus Silva's tenure. So I'm interested to see really where he feels like he fits in. um, But I think I would have snapped their hand off probably for for seven million just to recoup some of the the sunk cost on wages and then also obviously get the wages off the book for this year i mean i think we all think he's a decent player you know what i mean it is i think i think it, yeah it's just a financial question you know are you going to pay that how much bang are you getting from that buck you know a guy in essence who's a reserve that's it, a tough call you know i i think only they know exactly i mean when we look to the finances and we'll hit that at the end um, they look okay, I guess. And if you're going to move him, do you need to replace him or not? Uh, how much risk do you want to take knowing that there's another window open in the beginning of January? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I think if the fee was a little higher, I'll bet you we would have said yes. But alas, I think we agree he's a good player and he can be useful. Who knows? We may still need him. I think some of the other ones are a little bit intriguing. You got to wonder if he doesn't go, you know, is there still a chance for Gordon to go out on loan? I think we'll probably keep him just because of the nature of his play. You know, he's a pacey guy that can run in behind people with Walcott gone. You have that option still with Gordon. That's my take. Um, But I'm kind of curious if you guys think any of these other guys are surprising. I think there's still time for someone like Mo Besic to go to the championship. Obviously, that window is still open. And I think we're going to see the same thing with with Bowler and Connolly and Pennington. You know, they're going to do everything they can to get them off the books because they're in there last year. I'd love to get a fee for one or two of them. You got to figure Benny Beningame is going to go out on loan. So it seems like the window is there's plenty of time to get those guys out the next couple of days. But the one I keep going back to is Yannick Bellassi. I mean, it, it made it clear that Yannick does not have a spot in the first team. And, and I, you know, I think that's there's lots of opinions about that. I think probably stylistically the way he plays doesn't make a ton of sense for us. But were you guys surprised? I guess we'll start with Alex. Were you surprised Yannick is still here? And I suppose there's some other windows in other countries where he could still go. I always kind of got this feeling he'd leave Europe, but... So what do you think, Alex? Surprised he's still here? And should we reintroduce him to the first team? Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
Yeah, you like that one at the end. You were ready for that. This was not rehearsed, folks. <laughs> I was not spot. ready. I was not ready for that. Okay, so here's what I will say. I think I am somewhat surprised that he's still here. We it was yeah. it is public knowledge, official public knowledge that he's been told he's redundant to you know he's surplus to requirements at um, Everton. Should we reintroduce him to the first team? I think my answer is going to be no. He's welcome. I mean, he's already been told he's welcome to the first train with the first team. Someone like. I mean, I think I think, as you just said, Gordon is the perfect example. Like if we have to have the conversation as to whether, you know, could Gordon get some minutes or if he should go out on loan and there's a genuine if there's a genuine argument to be made that Gordon could get significant minutes or or some chunk of minutes during the season, which I think there is there. That argument is definitely valid. Then I don't think that Balassi should should be introduced to the first team or at least in the 18 squad. Right. I, I don't I don't see how he how he works his way into the squad, especially since we haven't even seen Gordon in in quite a few of the match day squads. What about you, James? Yeah, if Anthony Gordon can't get in the first team squad, then there's absolutely not a chance in hell Yannick Belasi gets anywhere near the first team. Um, I think <laughs> No, tell us how you really feel, James. <laughs> his No disrespect to him, because frankly, he's he's run a masterful PR campaign on Twitter over the last few weeks. He's done nothing wrong. You know? No, no, I mean, no. no. Really I'm, not, I'm, not knock, I'm not knocking him as a player. Again, I, I, know, I, I know. commend his attitude 100%. This is the attitude we want throughout the squad. He's been positive. He's been all over Twitter encouraging teammates throughout matches, after matches. And I think he's self-aware as well. Like I think he realizes his his current plight and that he's not getting near this team. He's getting older. Players' careers are very short. I think he recognizes that he would benefit from a move where he's actually going to get some playing time. I know that he earlier in the window, he had been linked uh, to the Emirates, to other countries in the Middle East. I could see him going to China, like those that sort of move for like a big wage. He he does still his name, I think, still carries some weight uh, for some of those leagues. But uh, the one that really jumps out at me, I, I am frankly shocked that we couldn't find a move for from Mo Besic to a championship team. And obviously, there's still plenty of time to get that across. There's still ten days left until the domestic window closes. But you look at a player who was on Sheffield's books last last season, played a little bit for them, wasn't super involved in the squad. I think. They had, of course, a very good campaign. He's a player that probably would be, I mean, he. we know that he's had success at the championship level in seasons past. I think he fits right in there. He's the type of aggressive bulldog player that would thrive uh, in that type of physical league. So I'm, I'm really surprised we weren't able to offload him. But as far as Belasi goes, uh, it was just never going to be never going to be one that, that would get away or never going to be one that, that would have a future here. It's been that way for ever since his injury, really. And since the change in regime, people were after like a five minute substitute appearance in a preseason match. were saying he deserves a shot. I, I, that's uh, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, come it, on, come guys. On. Yeah. You know what, though? He is an entertainer. Like, I could really see him uh, being a great asset to another league. I hope he gets another chance. He does seem like I, I just like him the way he plays is entertaining. But but yeah, I just don't think it fits the way we play. And I agree with you about Vesic. He was going to play more with Sheffield. Um, he was reintroduced to the team and then they got Sander Burge. So I think that was the big difference for him. That's why he didn't see the pitch again, because there's no way you're going to acquire that guy and not put him in essence. He's playing a similar deep, deep role. Um, you know, the one guy we forgot to mention is Sandra Ramirez, and I'm going to give my little rant on him and then we'll move on. But go off, Ryan. I know everyone wanted him. I, I am. I know everyone wanted him gone, but I, there's this nine. crazy idea. Yeah, he's a number you know nine. I'm going to say it right. <laughs> so everyone out there, he's not a number nine. He never played as a sole striker. He's a second striker. Um, and I cannot believe we even thought to do that. So when you say, oh, he didn't score any goals, goals. Now, Sandra Ramirez is OK. Goals. He stinks. 
that's wrong. And that's dumb, frankly. So um, he wasn't used very well at Sociedad. It is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you judge a guy who's not a single striker, whose primary job is not just to sit there and score goals by goals? I think it's He's because not, he scored so, so many goals the season before he came to us. Or, or really I know. that ended up being like a blip, right? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he was fortuitous to do that. But in his defense, he was at least playing an appropriate role. He's playing as a second striker. So when he was with Valadolid, kudos to Marcel Brands, by the way, for finding him a really good loan. He played as a second striker and played some off the left. And the guy has a good right foot still. His first touch is not the greatest. His ball control is not the greatest, but he's tough. He works really hard and you give him a flash. He can really serve a ball. And if you look at his numbers, you know, his his um, non-penalty expected goals and his expected assists per nine, he was the best on the whole team. So he was effective in in the times that he went out on the pitch for Val Deleuze. So there were people after him. People thought they were going to have to buy him out or something. No, we weren't, for God's sakes. Now, I'm disappointed we didn't get a fee, but but basically someone ate, you know, basically tore up a contract worth, you know, five million pounds a year to sign with someone on a three-year deal. So, look, either way, we moved him and saved five million pounds. So, not bad, right? I mean, is any, do either of you two guys have a problem with letting him go? I mean, there's no way he had a future with this squad. No, that was great news. That sounds yeah. terrible. It was, it was, but it was still great news, yeah. right? I, I don't it's wish good for him too. Right, exactly. I, I think you you hit it spot on, right? Like, not only did he not really have a place in the Everton squad nor the setup in general, I think it it's it makes uh, good sense for him in terms of his move and his progression and his career. Yeah, and and he, I I think the thing with Sandro is that he came in that disastrous transfer window alongside Wayne Rooney, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Davy Klassen. It was supposed to be. The new dawn for Everton, Steve Walsh, Ronald Koeman, a new in, in frankly, like with Lukaku departing, we wanted that that elite striker to come in and replace him. Yep. And that's the expectation under which he was placed in the squad. And it was clear almost from in the fact that we got him on such a low transfer fee. People thought it was a coup like, oh, my God, we got this guy who's going to come in, slot in. We're not going to miss Lukaku. He's going to bag all these goals. Obviously, never really panned out that way. Partially, as you said, Ryan, because of how we utilized him. And maybe he's just not the, the greatest fit for the Premier League. So he's still pretty young. I still think he can be a, a useful player in, in the Liga. He'll, he'll, he's off. He'll do well. I wish him all the best. Again, a player who never spoke poorly about Everton in any way. I think he's just kind of a victim of context and circumstance. Put in a shift, you know, I mean, that's if, if you don't have all the town, as long as you do your best, there's not much you can really complain about. And I think most Evertonians would agree to that, um, although I'm sure they'd accuse him of stealing money. But it's not his fault. I mean, <laughs> I, I would sign the deal, too, if I'm a wouldn't you. Are you kidding? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. All right. So let's do a quick little kind of we did a, a massive year end review uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I think what that was early August relief, Alex, release, Alex. Did I get that right? Yes. August 4th. It was a big year end review recap of the squad yeah it's long it's two hours but i mean you really want to go back and dissect kind of what what went wrong last year obviously we're enjoying what's going right so far um we thought a reasonable goal for this team this year was six i think we thought there'd be a medium spend uh i I think we did a quick analysis and over the past five years you know the six best goals four was 62.2 and and goals against was 42.2 so we kind of looked and said all right we scored 44 last year expected goals is like 48 we conceded 56, but expected goals against was 47. So we figured, okay, here's the spread between those. Where do we really need to improve? 
we thought it was possible. I feel like it was like 11 goals, goal differential, something like that. So just, just going through it real quick. When we looked at the attack, we kind of broke it up into a couple, a couple different ways. Finishing, shooting. I, I thought we kind of agreed that we were, we were a bit kind of unlucky, really. You know, uh, we have guys that could normally finish and just didn't really. So we thought maybe the problem lied elsewhere. And we really focused on just the passing. We were a poor passing side. Um, not a lot of passes under pressure, and we just couldn't string them together at all and really didn't get the ball into the opposition's penalty area. Um, and our possession was was quite awful considering how little pressure teams put us under. We did not receive the ball. We didn't control it well. And you could see it, too. You don't need the numbers to tell you that. And ultimately, we didn't put enough pressure. You know, chance creation was a big one, too. We didn't put enough pressure on defenses from open play. Obviously, we talked about not getting it, but up closer to net, but we didn't put pressure on via the pass or the dribble. And most of the attack came from the left side. So thinking about the D well, let's talk about the attack then a little bit. Well, let's talk about the defense as well, too. So obviously passing and possession, it's tough to separate that from defense, but we focused on goaltending, which Pickford statistically was bad. And takeaways was our big thing too. We, we just didn't stop the dribble. Well, we didn't win a lot of tackles. We had trouble winning the ball back. So even if we could have kept it last year, we very rarely could take it away. And that was it. You know, I mean, we were good in the air. Our set pieces were Carlos seems to write the ship. So if we look at our big areas, let's first talk about goaltending. We talked about that a little bit. We, we picked up Robin Olson. I don't know if it addressed it fully, but hey, we, we made a decent attempt to address it. Yes, we agree. Yes, totally agree. You yeah. know, any move is a good move at that point to get get some competition for Pickford. Hopefully that pans out. Yeah. Criticism. Maybe we waited too long. I think that's a fair one. But hey, all things considered, we gave Pickford a type, chance to write the ship and we got a decent player who's going to come in. and He will compete hard for a spot. So I think the biggest area is our big concern. I know we were all over just the passing and possession. So and how bad we were at just holding the ball up in more dangerous areas of the pitch. How do we think we did in that department? Because I think we did pretty damn well. We killed it. We killed it. We did. We did, Alex. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, in Everton's Twitter sphere, someone came out with the uh, quote unquote hot take saying that Allen was the most uh, important signing for Everton over the transfer window. You know, you could argue that saying a DM over James Rodriguez is (laughs) maybe kind of hard to to stomach, but at the same time, though, he's been fantastic so far. And not only that, we, you know, we signed Ducore. Looking at the numbers in past match review episodes, for example, we've actually made it a point to hit on um, passes, touches, pass accuracy percentages because our midfielders, including other ones such as Gilfie Sigurdsson, sometimes Tom Davies, a little bit Tom Davies, have done better as well with better players around him in the central midfield. So I think in terms of passing and, and passing succession and just stringing passes together, looking more fluid, we've been, we, we addressed the problem to its fullest extent, I think. Yeah. And, and credit to the t- team of Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti for listening to our show, realizing what the needs were and going out and addressing them in the market accordingly. You couldn't you pick. Keep telling them. You couldn't we keep pick, telling them. We do. And, and apparently they're listeners to the show because they followed our advice to a T. No, but I mean, it was obvious, right? And Carlo Ancelotti being a very intelligent manager and a very successful manager would have had no problem sussing out the issues in the squad. So what does he do? Alan, Decore, James, all three players who are excellent under pressure, particularly James. We talked about in previous episodes, how just how ex- unbelievable, frankly, like off the charts almost his 
retention under pressure is. Decore as well as as well as his ability to bring the ball forward. Allen is just that Drissagana gay replacement that JPG was supposed to be and still could be, I think, down the line. Um, so with the complete midfield overhaul, we've seen the the dividends being uh, dispersed amongst the squad. Everyone's playing better. Uh, the the heart of the team is completely changed, and it's been an unprecedented, practically, start to the season for Everton, and all that's down to the recruitment, I think. And then we got a couple a couple young guys. Now again, we right. we think we paid a little a lot for Godfrey, but it's a need. We needed a fourth defensive center back that could play on the left side. He can do that. I mean, we got a couple young guys in Kunku look at has looked fantastic on a free. Yeah. I mean, how can you argue? Look at like guys like Allen who play so well under pressure. Hamez. I mean, his receiving percentage is something like 90% receiving percentage of passes. And he plays up the pitch the whole time. I mean, what he had 72 letter team and touches the other day with 72 and had like a 94% passing percentage, you know? Yes, clearly this team is night and day. Our possession, I feel like we lead the league in touches now too. You know, possession, passing, so much better. We can take the ball away a bit. Decore, you know, always up there with recoveries. I mean, I think you can argue whether we invested too much in the short term. Maybe the fan base needed that, but how could anyone question that we didn't absolutely nail it in terms of needs. So yes, you could talk sell on. Yes, you could talk about investment growth. We went for value and man, we could not have handpicked guys. Granted, we've pounded, you know, we had our past episode where we talked about these guys, but um, you can see it now, you know, you can see it. So if we go and do this again next year, I think it'll look very, very different. And we did get some young players too. I think that's, that's something that's important to remember. You know, not everyone we signed was 29. Yeah, you know, one thing I want to say, generally speaking, about the recruitment this year, something that Brands has said in the past, maybe a year or so ago, was the fact that he wants players that can play in multiple positions. So if we just generally look through this list, right? In Kunku, okay, left back, but I think it's safe to say he can probably... Exactly. He did. Okay. He, did. he there, played yeah, left right. wing as exactly. So, so left hand side, right? But he, he's been he's been deployed as a left back, although he's been killing it forward for us in cut matches, right? And his right Alan, foot's great too, by the way. He, I mean, he is almost both footed. Definitely, right. definitely has versatility. Allen and Ducore both can play multiple spots in central midfield. Maybe Allen not no so problem. much at the attacking midfield role, but I know Ducore was was put there a little bit by Watford in, in some form. James attacking midfield, right side. Uh, Godfrey, right center back, DM. So these are players Uh-oh. that all can play. Not doing it. <laughs> no, he can't. I mean, he came up as a defensive mid, even if he hasn't played there at a high level. So uh, right, but yeah. I, but it's still possible, right? He still at least understands the premise. It, you know, the, it, we we say that, but we saw Mason Holgate hop into DM. I think against Man U was it Man U last season that in, in which he did pretty well. At the end of the day, it's it's eleven players on either side and the ball at their feet, right? So. So stepping up from from central defense to cent- central defensive midfield isn't all that radical. But and I said this on the um, discord last night, you know, ideally, we're not in a position where we are forced to play players out of position because we should have adequate squad depth in every area. Marcel Brands has also talked about wanting to have two players at every position. And I think we're getting very close to that if we're not already there. You know, some there might be some overlap. Letting Moise Keen go again was kind of strange, but we do have far superior squad depth to what we had last season. And yeah, it's hard to say that we didn't knock it out of the park. Well, are there remaining questions? Like, do we have a center forward question? Because I I still maintain that, again, we know that the windows, 
And we could still make a deal from someone from the championship. I know a lot of people are talking about um, Josh King uh, and fun. I, I don't really, I don't, he's fine. I, he doesn't take care of the ball. I think well enough, but, but the point is he, he does, he is the type of player that can play center forward as well as outright. Do we have a real question left at center forward? I mean, to me, Jenks training now. I mean, I, I don't know if we do. I mean, you've got Dom Richie's definitely second choice. Jenk is not that bad, even if he's maybe not the perfect Premier League player. I, I don't see. It'd be nice to have a right-sided guy, but to be perfectly honest, we're playing those forwards more in the half space. The left side, we're pushing guys higher up, but I, I don't see any reason why we can't stick someone to kind of play on the right side in the half space or stick Gordon up there if we really want to stretch him. I, I don't. Holgate can play right back. Even Godfrey can as well, too. If JPG ever gets healthy, I mean, heck, he even came up as a right back, you know, when he was in France. Um, we kind of forget about him and his versatility. You know, he can play center back. I, I don't know if I see a glaring need. Um, I, I still I still have always said, though, I, I really I wish we could have moved John Joe because I would love to get a right back. But um, you can't ignore the financials as well, too. Um, and, and I'll touch on it just very briefly. So Paul the S put out a post. And, you know, he kind of gave some details around it and gave an idea that the neck kind of cost is still like seven point four million. Uh, I'm not going to go into crazy detail about that. That's a combination of annual amortization costs because the transfer fees, you don't you don't expense that in a single year, um, as well as wages, savings as wages incurred. I, I think there's probably some debate on that because there were some loans last year that we're not factoring in in terms of a difference. And we still have some time to shed some salary. But either way. Um, I don't think we have a compelling financial reason, I don't think, to necessarily sell anyone, but buying someone may be a bit aggressive. Um, I, I just don't see massive question marks, at least not right now, that we couldn't address in January. I don't know, Alex, do you see any final concerns or are we okay? I think moving into the rest of the season, I think we're going to be okay. Now, I can say that and then we could have you know our injury list, our extensive, our already extensive injury <laughs> list. Um, further, but fingers think, crossed for international, right? But yeah. yeah, that's true. We haven't had exactly the best luck with that as Evertonians. In I knocked on wood. Either. I knocked on um, wood. There's no jinx. There's no Everton jinx. Right. Curse. But, but, but I feel like we will be okay. I think that we've, we strengthened in most positions that we really needed to, except for, I think you said it best hold right back position, but Kenny, John Joe Kenny, I mean, he's, able-bodied he's played there a decent amount before that's terrible to say right able-bodied he said he said able-bodied as a compliment of a player <laughs> a big I mean, level of expectation so i'm gonna leave it at that uh yeah we're gonna be great and able-bodied what about you All James? Right. Uh, James. just real quickly yeah my, my last thoughts i will say we talk about the injuries we were and we've said it on previous episodes i believe like by far the most unlucky when it came to injuries last season. We picked up a major injury far more frequently than any other club in the league. So barring a repeat of that, knock on wood, of course, I don't foresee us having any major issues. We do have adequate squad depth. So even if we have one or two guys out, even three guys out for brief periods of time, we have guys that can slot in and do an adequate job. And I think, again, the quality that we've dispersed throughout the entire squad will help to continue to bring the best out of the existing players. So even if, for example, Hamas were to go down, knock on wood yet again, we still have, you know, Anthony Gordon who can come in and slot in on the right-hand side and play alongside Ducore, Allen, 
even Gilfie Sigurdsson, and Tom Davies, yeah. not everyone's favorite. But I, I do think just the, the level of the squad at a baseline has been elevated significantly. And that's going to, to you know, help us fare very well this season. I'm, I'm very confident. Couldn't have started the season off on a better foot, undefeated. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. And, and I think the curse may be broken. <laughs> Carlo's also shown the ability to use the f- variability and flexibility in the squad and, and people in different places. Clearly, his instructions are more simplistic because Tom Davey was really shown in a, in a position that we were concerned about. He's one example. So, yeah, I got faith for Carlo to be flexible and adaptable. So, all right. To finish it off, folks, lightning round. Alex, you want to jump here and fire off some of our Twitter sphere questions and see let's, what we can do here? Let's go for it. So first up, yes. Alan Brody, does Walcott's loan make it more or less likely or no difference that Gordon sees more time on the pitch? Gentlemen, I think we kind of mentioned this in roundabout, at least. Me personally, I think that absolutely says that Gordon will see more time on the pitch unless he's loaned out in the next 10 days or so. Sure. And he could be loaned out if we get someone else. But um, in the meantime, right now, yeah, I think we'll see him more. Sure. James? I expect and hope to see Anthony Gordon more this season. Good. Go. All right. Next up, Alan Brody. Also, were James and Alex even in grade school when the Macarena came out? Well, Alan, I'll have you know I was in first grade. So, yes. And yeah. James was, too. So. Technically in grade school. So, Barely. take that, the first one of the grade school. I'm like twice as old as these guys. <laughs> <laughs> we keep they, they called me. They said that said I, I had reached middle age today. <laughs> <sighs> today was the day. Okay, boomer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh no, that's I am not that. That's I will. This is the I'm cash down cast. Seven five seven, pretty soon, buddy. You, you not. <laughs> yes, you are. Them's fight anyway. words. All right, go, all right. Go next up from Wisco Mortier, gerrymandering. So I know that that's not <laughs> best replacement for Keen. That's a tough question for a lightning round. But we know apparently it's not uh, Josh King, right, Ryan? No one for now. No replacement. James. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see what Cenk Tosin can do kind of in a Calvert-Lewin role where he's not expected to maybe play as expansively and just can kind of poach goals in the box. We have Sims, too. Let's not forget about that. I know he may be overwhelmed, but, you know, if if you want if you have a chance and you just want to reduce some minutes and we're kicking someone's butt, hey, put him on the bench, see what he can do. All right. Next up, Garrett Post, our friend on Twitter and on Discord an active member, actually. What are Ryan's long-term keeper suggestions? More specifically, which Paraguayan U18 keepers has Ryan watched recently who could be our future number one? Well, I mean, Antonio Gonzalez at uh, Club Cerro's U19 looks <laughs> looks pretty good for Paraguay. He had to have an answer, didn't he? This feels like yeah, some bro. It's, it's, it's a lie. I've, I've never seen him play. I just looked him up. That, I, that, I'm just totally lying. That, you that never should have said that. Fib. I believe no, you. Come on, man. <laughs> no, no, I got to be real. First of all, I'm a terrible judge of goalkeepers. Second of all, I like Juan Musso from uh, Udinese. He's my guy. Juan Musso. All right. Next up. Next year. Dress tool. Do you think we see any Holgate or Godfrey in the right back role if Seamus is needed? If Seamus needed filled in for? I think we'd see Holgate there before Godfrey personally, given that he, he played there when he was on loan at West Brom quite extensively. And it's kind of been his his second position, more so than a lot of other players, I think, have quote unquote second positions. So I'd put Holgate there over Godfrey, but theoretically either of them could slot in because, you know, they're not so big that they they can't play both roles. I agree. And I could actually see him playing their Holgate a bit, especially for killing a game. Carlo has shown that he he's fine with kind of playing in a four back kind of swing, having one more defensive than the other. Push Dean up a little bit. Yeah, I actually think that could be very effective killing games. I echo those sentiments. Next up, JB Smoove, long listener of the podcast. See him on Twitter all the time. 
He just simply requests more breakdowns about Swedish youth soccer from Ryan, which I don't think is possible today. However, maybe in the future. There's so many answers to that. I'm just going to skip it. I, nothing I say will be good. Uh, but thanks, JB. That was that was great. <laughs> All right. Lastly, Yinzer Toffee, another long term, long time listener. James or Allen as my next jersey. I'm going Allen. You didn't even go for your namesake on this one, James. Well, I'm getting a James one, so you know I can't let him copy me. <laughs> Fair enough. You're going to be the so, only one with the James kit. <laughs> yeah, he's Yinzer Toffee, so I would feel uh, wrong if I didn't respond to him in my best Yinzer accent. Ooh. So, yeah, so my response would be, Yin's got to get Don Aaron at and go, go pant that, <laughs> find a James on special. I have no <laughs> idea what he just said. Ooh, down there, it's all happening? slippy net. <laughs> that was outstanding. No, yeah. but really, though, yep, get Juju on the back that. and just call it a day. Yin's go down. All right, guys, let's wrap this up really quickly now. Final ratings for the summer 2020 transfer window on a scale of one to 10. We're doing decimal points if you so choose. Alex, you go first. It's a 9.27. You didn't say where we were rounding to. Oh, my God. It's not. You said decimal. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> I will say it, it's got to be really hard to give it a 10. Maybe if I gave I would give it a 10 if, like, let's say we signed someone like Juan Musso, right? A starting goalkeeper over Pickford, someone just fantastic. Otherwise, I don't think that we could have asked for a whole lot more in terms of the type of quality that we brought in and the type of signings. What about you, Ryan? I'll go with an eight. My criticism would be that opting for short term versus longer term might make it harder to crack the top four in the future. I'm just trying to be practical here, uh, but it's been fantastic in the short term. And I, I think it is probably what the fan base needed. And, and all this excitement would not have been possible if we didn't opt for more of a value strategy than a growth Sorry, that, that was way more like not a fun answer. <laughs> but I mean, in my defense, I just did like a Yinzer Pittsburgh accent. Yeah, Pittsburgh you, accent. You so had give me a break. That was, that was a strong transition, I thought. You had to come down from that high. And for me, I'm going with an 8.645 just to one up Alex there. Uh, I, I really think that there's maybe, like Alex said, a goalkeeper. If we had gotten a right back, maybe a true right, right winger. If we had gotten like an Irving Lozano, for example, that would have put it at a 10 for me. I still think that. Time will tell exactly how well a lot of these young players will do. And we may look back in a couple of years in retrospect and say, wow, you know, Nkunku really came on. Godfrey is, is an unbelievable player and, and we'll reassess at that point. But for now, those are the ratings, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. If you haven't already, join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.